0: responsibility uh, but also a great privilege to be here standing up before you with the great task of teaching God's word this morning and uh, we tend to preach from the books of the Bible right now we are preaching on first of Timothy and we have been on this journey since January 2023. Today we're going to start, uh, well, we're going to continue discussing chapter 5. I remember when I received the calendar, like in December, like I said, oh, look, I'm going to preach in September. So here we are, September. Um, On many occasions here in our congregation, we refer to the passage of scripture found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. When Jesus gave ministry orders to his disciples, and he commands them and said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end. Of the age. Actually, this is where Craig left his message last week. The promise made by Jesus that he will be with his disciples every day until the end of the world or until the end of the time was very significant to those who originally heard it. In fact, it is so very significant for us. As disciples of Jesus today, I'm convinced that the fulfillment of his promise is fully visible and a reality for us today. And I will show you why. How, 20 centuries later, is that promise being fulfilled? Number one, he is always with us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Number two, He is always with us as he is revealed in his word. And number three, he is with us through his church. So let me start with the first one. First, how is it that Jesus is always with us through the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that, that his disciples then... And now, will not be left alone after going to the Father until he returns. That's why he called the Holy Spirit the Comforter. The Holy Spirit does the work of regeneration in us. Has convinced us that we need Jesus for our salvation. But also the Holy Spirit guides us, comfort us, sanctify us keep us in line to grow into the stature of Christ. So the Holy Spirit lead us to Christ. That's how Jesus always be with us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Second, how it is that he is always with us through his revealed word. Through God's word, we find the truth. We find the way and we find the life. Jesus said, John fourteen six. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through God's revealed word, we find his inspiration and his breath, which is profitable and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Like it says in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. In the Gospel of John, its writer declares that Jesus is the logos, the word. The Spanish version indicates the word logos as the verb. The verb, the verbo. The word that carries the action in the sentence. So I will always love this verse in Spanish rather than English. It was a joke. <laughs> in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. John 1, 1. Through his word we can see that the, the God's character through the work of his son Jesus, and the truth of the gospel. This is why I say that Jesus is always with us. It is because we have his revealed word. But then, I'm going to the third one. How is it that Jesus has always been with us through his church? Actually, this is where I want to focus this morning. Most of us here, if not all, have been edified and blessed by, the, by this organism called the church. Organism that has been designed by God and commanded by Christ, who is the head of the church. God has given us the opportunity to belong to his church. As a part of his church, we have been adopted into the family of God. As part of his church, we have been baptized, buried with Christ, raised with him. As part of his church, we have been trained as his disciples. Additionally, because we are part of Christ's church, we participate in a community of brothers and sisters who love God over all things and love one another We care and help each other in prayer. We confess to each other. We support each other. We submit to one another. We sing together. We eat together. Ultimately, we see Christ reflected in his church, and we thank God for the gift of Christ's church. Amen? Amen. Since the beginning of this year, we have been going through uh, Paul's first letter of Timothy. In this letter, we have found instructions given by the apostle to the pastor in the church of, in Ephesus. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has provided direction and guidance on how to develop and lead the church of Christ. In previous chapters, we have seen the way in which certain matters must be dealt within the church, and especially how the church determines who its, uh, who its leaders should be. So do you remember that in chapter 3 of 1 of Timothy talks about the qualities and qualifications that should characterize the elders of the church? In Timothy 3, 1, First Timothy 3, 1 says, they, the saying, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspired to the office of overseer, Elder, pastor, he desires a noble task. The apostle, Paul, con- uh, considers ministry leadership as a position of honor to exercise. So in the previous chapter of First of Timothy, we discussed that um, are the responsibilities and qualifications of the leaders of the church now in the verses we are going to consider today, the apostle provides instructions on what is the responsibility of the church towards its leaders, elders, pastors, um, people in charge of the church. In fact, what we will see recorded in these verses today has shaped how our church, our church community, handles our responsibility in terms of how we bless and support our elders and pastors. So my plan for the next hour, sorry, I mean for the next minute, <laughs> is to lead everyone in prayer so that God can help us and guide us through this text. Then we're going to read the two verses that we have assigned for today. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 17 and 18. We deep end in our teaching, and after that, I would like to conclude in a, bit, in a, a little bit, in a, in a bit different way today. I would like us, as a local church, to take some intentional time to pray for our pastors and leaders. Okay, let's, let's do that. So I invite you to pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you. For the opportunity that you gave us to be in this place this morning. Our desires that our hearts and our understanding be wide open to receive your word. We want to receive your word with joy even when it confronts us and makes us uncomfortable. Give us a teachable heart, a teachable mind. We want to learn with humility. We want your word to convince us that you, your ways, are better than our ways. And your word edify us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the opening verses of chapter 5, the apostle begins by instructing the church and how they should treat one another. He handles how to treat elderly men and women and the treatment of those who are younger. Then he gives instructions about caring for widows and how to be benevolent with them since they are in real need and what should be the responsibility that the congregation should have towards these people. In the verses that we're going to consider today, Paul continues continues, uh, with further instruction for the church. As I said earlier, today we're going to talk about Verse 17 and 18 of 1 Timothy chapter 5. So let's start it. In verse 17, it says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So we start with the elders who rule well. Those who lead, those who shepherd well. The right way. How do these elders, leaders, shepherd well? Let's see what Peter tells us in this in his letter. He gave us a description of how an elder leader leads well. Look at chapter five, 1 uh, of Peter, chapter five, verse one, and he says, "So I exhort the elders among you." As a fellow elder and a a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God will have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but be an example to the flock. Let's go back to our text. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Notice that in our passage, there's a word that is going to stand out very obviously, and that word is the word honor. It is my hope that when we leave this place this morning, we take with us in our minds and in our hearts more than the meeting, sorry, of the word, that we can take with us the desire to honor in an extraordinary way those who work shepherding us, teaching us, training us, and disciple, discipling us. Today's sermon Today's sermon goes beyond respecting or considering our leaders. God's words calls us to honor them. It is about honoring those who has accepted the challenge to boldly disciple, guide, and shepherd us within the the church community. But what does Paul mean by the word honor? In fact, what does Paul mean with the by the concept of the double honor. First, we're going to look at what the word honor means. The word used in Greek is the word time. Actually, it's right, exactly the same of a time, but it's in Greek, remember. That means esteem, high regard, price. When you define it as a noun, the word honor in scripture means high esteem, value, or respect. When you define it as an action, it means to value or to provide great value. So, let me tell you something. The word honor is a difficult word. Not because it is difficult to pronounce or understand its meaning, but because of the implications of that word for us. For example, the scripture exhorts us us to express honor and esteem to certain people. Ephesians 2, just honor your parents. Romans 13.1, honor the authorities. Leviticus 19.32, honor the elderly people. So, again, it's uh, very difficult because honoring people is not in our nature Actually, what we want to do is always honor ourselves. Every time I hear about the word honor, I remember this story. Maybe, probably it's a joke, but that someone told me when I was a little kid. You probably already know it. It's about a boy who was given two coins by his mother uh, before he go to church. The mother was very clear on her instructions. Instructions were: one coin is for you. With this coin, you can do whatever you want. You can go to the store. You can buy candies. You can do, well, what I don't know what you can buy with a coin now, but whatever. At that point, yes, a lot of things. Uh, one coin is for you, and the other coin, because you're going to church, is going to be deposited on the offering plate at church. So. While he was on his way to the church, one of the coins fell into the sewer. So he lost it. Sewer, sorry. Um, the child then looks at the only coins that he has and he said, sorry God, I just lost your coin. <laughs> Again, the word is not difficult to pronounce. It's not difficult to to understand what it is, it's difficult to act on. Our hearts will always ask us to honor ourselves. However, the Christian life—and this is important—is not about honoring ourselves, but about honoring God. And many times, honoring God involves honoring other people. So now, what does Paul means by the expression "double honor"? In fact, here is in today's verse is where, uh, sorry. In fact, here in today's verse is where we can only find this expression in all scripture. The answer to this question, in, our, in order to answer that question, let, let's turn to verse 18. Here, in verse 18, Paul quotes two passages of scripture. One originally from the Old Testament, and then the other one from the New Testament, and verse 18 says. For the scripture says, you shall not muscle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the leverer deserves his wages. The first quote Paul made, you shall not muscle the ox when it treads out the grain, is originally from Deuteronomy 25 verse 4. When Moses literally is giving instruction to his people, to the people of God, the people of Israel, Uh, before they enter the promised land. Actually, this is not the first time that Paul quotes this piece of scripture. He also did it in his first letter of Corinth, uh, 9.9. This is what this means. An ox is a big animal used for trashing, which is to crush the cut cereal to separate the grain from the chaff. In the Middle East... It was a very good custom not to put a muscle on the ox while it's work, threshing, so that the animal could eat while doing the job. It will be a disgrace to make the ox work all those hours and not let it while it working. It is uh, as if we do not respect the animal that is working. So scholars and commentators are divided on the interpretation of this passage, and what is the message that Paul wants to convey when he quotes this particular piece. Some comment, uh, some, some of those scholars or commentators said that the apostles speak about economic remuneration. Others express the high respect and consideration that must exist for the animal while it bless its owners with its work. I firmly believe that what Paul wants to express in this case when he used this passage does not have to do with financial remuneration, but but with the consideration and respect that we must have for our pastors and leaders of the church. Now, the second piece of scripture is definitely very clear. Paul here specifically used the following piece of scripture indicating an economic remuneration or financial benefit for pastors and leaders. The second part of the verse 18 says, the laborer deserves his wages. Here the apostle quotes a statement from Jesus recorded both in the gospel of Luke chapter 10 verse 7 and Matthew ten verse ten about the payment and blessing that those who work in his uh, in his church or in his work should receive. Now, when we read verses seventeen and eighteen together, we can see that Paul wants to define this concept of double honor as a twofold concept. On the one hand, we honor. Our pastors and church leaders holding them in a high esteem for the work they do. Do not deprive them of blessing or honor while doing the work of God's work. Do not hold them work they do. Sorry, do not hold the work they do in low esteem. In the other hand, on the other hand, That they honor our pastors and leaders by providing them with financial remuneration as payment for the work they do in shepherding, teaching, and discipling discipling his church. Providing uh, uh, Providing support the same way we receive it with the work that we do outside the church. I would like to conclude this sermon with several questions. First question is, how do we see the gospel being preached, talking about how to honor our pastors or elders? In fact, honoring our pastors' elders reflects the character of God and is the result of Jesus' mission to give himself completely in sacrifice for all of us. Honoring our pastors' elders should be not should not be a stumble block that sets us back or hinders the mission of our church to glorify God by growing in Christ, growing together, and going to our world. Second question How can we remain faithful to this word by fulfilling what Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, shared with the church of Ephesus? And with all the other churches in the world and throughout the time. I mean, how do we apply this to our reality as a church in the first century in San Antonio, Texas, here at Stono Bible Church? Our desire is to continue honoring our elders and pastors as we are doing it today. Number one, give them an honor that is necessary even it is not monetary i'm saying praying for them praying for the fa- for their families take care of them take care of the family of their families take care of the their physical mental and emotional health being generous with them being empathic with them being merciful with them being respectful with them with loyalty, with insisting love, open, being open to learn from them, helping them to be better leaders for us. Be available to serve in the congregation. That's one way that we can honor our elders, that we can honor our pastors. But there's another way that we can do it as well. Remember, double honor is a two-fold thing, concept. So number two is let us us remain financially faithful to the Sono Bible Church ministry so that in addition to covering the operations of our congregation, we can also provide financial support to our leaders. Our church is led by pastors, elders, qualified for the ministry. And they are categorized in two ways. Full-times, elder pastors, ministers, they receive salaries and benefits. Uh, we, can, we can mention the lead pastor. We can mention the executive pastor. We can uh, mention the pastor of children and students. And we have other elders that are not, they don't have any financial remuneration um, uh, and other ministry leaders that they don't have that. Um, all of them needs to have Honor. Our prayer is that our congregation grow in all possible aspects. We want the church to grow in number of disciples, in number of leaders, in number of volunteers. So we will be able to extend what we do and how we do it in the northeast part of the city and beyond. To be honest with you, one of the reasons why this can be a bit of an com- uncomfortable topic is the fact that there are so-called church leaders who have abused the honor that they should receive. And therefore, there is a very uh, misperception about the honor to the pastors and leaders. Many of those pseudo-preachers or church leaders as for luxurious cars and live in... Uh, Mansions, house, and luxurious neighborhoods, private planes, and all those kind of stuff. Maybe you were part of a congregation like that. And you're hurt about that. Maybe you have seen them on TV or you have read about them or seen them on the internet. I want us to be sure of something. Church, that is not the gospel. That is not the gospel as a healthy church that is centered in Christ and in his gospel our desire is to is that we can provide for our pastor and elders in a twofold way number 1 holding them in high esteem for the work they do and holding them in support of their needs financially as well by honoring our elders and pastors Church, we honor God. I want to finalize this praying. And I told you that I, I wanted to be intentional on in the way we're going to do this. Um, we know which are our elders. We know our pastors, and I don't want to mention their names right now. It's it's not important. We know who they are. But really, I wanted to pray for them. I want to pray for them, for their families. I want to pray for them for what they're experiencing in life right now. Um, They are like us, right? They have... Worries, concerns. They have families. Um, actually, um, this week I was I was telling I, I I think I have talked with a lot of people this week about um, me and my job. You know, uh, having a little bit of a stress at work, and um, it's incredible that uh, you know how I can. The, the the way I just try to study and and come with this message today, uh, at the same time with work and family and all those kind of things, full time job, it, it was it was amazing. So uh, I'm impressed about you know Justin coming here every Sunday and preach the word every Sunday is is a big of a task. Um. So they they have needs. They have. Uh, things that probably they haven't figured it out and we need to be there for them. We, at the beginning of this chapter we, uh, book, we saw a lot of qualifications for the elders. Uh, and we saw, you know, how hard it is to be in front of a church um, and the responsibility that they have. But the church, we have a responsibility on them too.